Let us be attentive. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. To you, O Lord, I cry, O my God. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is bound to offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not take the honor upon himself but he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. As he says also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Peace. Be with you, the reader. Thank you. Alleluia. Alleluia. Wisdom arise. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. Spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us be attentive. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit the man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, 
There are some standing here who will not taste before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this early morning's uh, gospel reading, that is during the Orthros, or the Matins service, as you probably are familiar that on Sunday mornings, there is a cycle of 11 what we call Eothinon gospels. That is, these are the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. Very appropriate, of course, for the Day of the Lord, Sunday, when we come together to celebrate par excellence the resurrection of our Lord. And so those gospel readings in the early morning service have to do with Christ after he had risen with, from the dead and visited with his disciples and continued to teach them and to lead them into all truth, preparing them to receive the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. In any case, it's a cycle of 11 of these Gospels, and this morning's was the 11th, and it comes from the Gospel of John. It's the famous passage where Christ appears to them, and he goes specifically to Simon Peter, Peter the great apostle. And he asks him three times, Simon, do you love me more than these? Peter responds each time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. And then the third time Christ asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he's kind of frustrated now, Peter, because he already asked him two answered him two times. He says, you know everything, Lord. You know that I love you. And each time Christ responds, by the way, with telling him to tend my sheep, feed my flock, take care of my lambs. Because as an apostle, of course, he is a bishop. He is the head of the church, and he is to take care of Christ's spiritual flock. The point I'm getting at here is that the reason Christ asked him three times, do you really love me, Peter, is quite obvious. Because not too long before this, of course, just a few days, in fact, before this, Peter had denied Christ three times. He said, I don't know who he is. In fact, if we look at the gospel readings, how did Peter turn his back on his master? Here's one example. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a maid, you know, a little girl, came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. A second incident. These happened very closely to one another. And when he went out to the porch, another maid saw him 
And she said to the bystanders, This man, speaking about Peter, was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. The third incident. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, as Christ had foretold. One example we can see here, brothers and sisters, is how slowly, slowly, Peter slipped away. Because each time he was asked, he kind of denied Christ more emphatically, each time more and more and more. And what we can see here is how the devil can gradually pull us away from the Lord, even if it's little by little. As exemplified by Peter's gradually augmented denials. And we can apply this in so many ways. You know, um, you start doing one little bad habit. Maybe it's, you know, once a month. But then all of a sudden it becomes once a week. And then after not too long, it becomes every day. Little by little, we can slip away from Christ. Or let's take another one. Maybe you say, oh, just sleep in this one time and not go to church Sunday morning. It's very easy for that to become not only once in a while, but almost a weekly thing where people might be coming once every six months, once a year, whatever it might be. Gradually, slowly, slowly, the devil can be very patient and he can lead us away from Christ in incrementally, little things. But another major point we can take from this is we see that Peter was ultimately, I guess, ashamed of his association with Christ. He was not proud to be part of Jesus' disciples when he was faced with the matter. What did we hear in today's Sunday's Gospel? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So we really should reflect on the words that Christ posed to Peter. Do you love me more than these? Do you love Christ more than anything? Do you put God really above all, which is the first and great commandment, to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength? Do we put God first in our lives above work, above play, above school, even above our family? Christ must be first. So how would we answer Christ if he came up to one of us and said, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than anything in this world, in this universe? 
Am I number one in your life, which is where he wants to be? Or do we, in fact, deny Christ, whether by our thoughts, by our words, or by our very deeds? In fact, St. Paul says in Titus, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. So do we deny God not with maybe our lips or with the faith that we think we have, but by the things we do? We might in our minds say, yeah, Christ is number one, but do we follow that up? Do we actually state it with the life we lead, that Christ is first and foremost and above all in our lives? We can even contrast Peter with the thief. We know that Peter, being a coward at that moment and scared, he says, I do not know the man at all. And yet hanging on the cross were two thieves, to one to the right and one to the left of Jesus. We know that the repentant thief on the right, the left one, by the way, was ridiculing Christ, making fun of him, and all the people down below, indeed, were doing this same thing. But with boldness and with courage, the thief on the right confessed Christ to be the Son of God. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. So we see below that Peter denies, but above on the cross the thief confesses and acknowledges Christ as king. St. Paul in the book of Hebrews really extols us to be like Christ, to endure the shame of the cross, if that is what it is to be. The Lord said, take up your cross and follow him. And it very well can be the cross of ridicule and shame in the lives that we lead today. St. Paul writes, Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, because of the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us then, brothers and sisters, he continues, go to him outside the camp, bearing the shame that he bore. No matter what it is going to be that we face in this life, let us go out to Christ, who is crucified outside the city as an exile, as an outcast, and follow our Lord all the way to that cross. When I was thinking about this, there's a really beautiful contemporary saint. His name is Saint Philumenos. Really a wonderful name, which really it means the beloved of Philumenos. He lived from 1913 to 1979, and for the greater part of his life, he was the keeper of the church at Jacob's Well. A very beautiful man who was an archimandrite, a monk, a priest, and he guarded that ancient place, not only where the patriarch Jacob was, but also, as we know, that Christ himself went and spoke with the Samaritan woman, as we read in the Gospel of John. Well, this beautiful Saint Philumenos is what we would call a new martyr. Time and again, the locals would come around, the non-Christians, the unbelievers, threatening his life, telling him, take down the crosses out of this church, take down the icons, get out of here, leave. And he never did. In the year 1979, 
November 14th, or 16th rather, this is what we hear about this beautiful saint who would not deny his Christ. They burst into the monastery and with a hatchet butchered our commander at Voluminus in the form of a cross. With one vertical stroke, they clove his face. With another horizontal stroke, they cut his cheeks as far as his ears. His eyes were plucked out. The fingers of his right hand were cut into pieces and his thumb hacked off. These were the fingers with which he made the sign of the cross. The murderers were not content with the butchering of the innocent monk, but proceeded to desecrate the church as well. A crucifix was destroyed, the sacred vessels were scattered and defiled, and the church was in general subjected to sacrilege of the most appalling type. The piecemeal chopping of the three fingers with which he made the sign of the cross showed that he was tortured in an attempt to make him renounce his orthodox faith. The last moments of this beautiful man's life, people bursting into where he lived, again, this is just 1979. We think of the great martyrs of old, but here is a martyr before our very eyes in our own lifetime. What he was doing and struggling with his final breath was to do what? To make the sign of the power of the precious and life-giving cross. And that is why they took off those fingers. This is the grace we have, brothers and sisters, with everything we do, with everything we begin, anything we embark on, Always mark yourself with the cross of our Lord. So do this while we still can, while we are still able, while God graces us with the ability to do so. St. Isaac the Syrian stresses this. He says, And so as long as you have feet, run to do good work before you are bound with the bond, bond which cannot be loosed again once it is put on. As long as you have hands, stretch them out to heaven in prayer before your arms fall from their joints. And though you desire to draw them up, you will not be able to. As long as you have fingers, cross yourself in prayer before death comes, loosing the comely strength of their sinews. As long as you have eyes, fill them with tears in prayer, with lamentation on account of your sins before that hour when dust will cover your clothes and your eyes will be fixed in one direction, in an unseen gaze, and you will not know it. As long as your heart, the fountain of thoughts, is controlled by the power of discernment, think upon those things that assist you in your salvation before your soul is shaken by her departing from it and the heart is left like a house deserted by its inhabitants." As long as we have the ability, as long as we have the means, as long as God gives us the grace, let us do good. Let us run after Christ. Let us follow him, take up our crosses. Indeed, sign ourselves with the cross boldly. Because St. Paul said, if there is anything that I will boast in, it is in this one thing, Christ and him crucified. To him be the glory now and ever to the ages of ages. Amen. Please rise.